straight with, you know, financial principles and how it works for individuals, companies, and countries. The same principles work for individuals, companies, and countries. Doesn't, there's no difference. But it's important to understand each level, right, so that you can properly make decisions on a micro level. So today we'll talk on a macro level, but we're going to dive into a micro level come next week, okay? So we always talk about think globally, but you got to act locally, right? You have to have information that you can actually apply and use for your life and make an impact from where you are going forward. Does Does that make sense? So let's talk about economics. What is economics? And when I looked at Look that up. You Google it. There's all kinds of definitions. All kinds of definitions. So I want to hear yours. <laughs> what is economics to you? Anyone? Supply and demand. Okay, got you. Anybody else? What is economics? Money. I got money. Resources, good. Right? You guys are hitting all the ones, you know, scarcity of resources. And how do you manage those scarcity of resources within a society? Right? Economy. Economy, right? How money, you know, how money works. So let's do this. Um, I will share with you some of what we got here. So Wikipedia says, economics is the study of scarcity and implications for the use of resources, production of goods and services, growth of production and welfare over time, and a great variety of other complex issues of vital concerns to society. Like, what? Right, right. Um, A social science concerned chiefly with description and analysis of the production of distribution and consumption of goods and services. All right? And I got another one for you. The branch of knowledge concerned with the production, consumption, and transfer of wealth. The condition of a region or group as regard to material prosperity. That's Webster. All right? So after all of that, I was like, well, what really is economics? You know, I mean, that's a, that's a lot in there. So I prayed about it, and asked God to help me come up with a definition. And this is what I got. I'll make it real simple. Economics is the production of goods and services for the benefit of others. Economics is the production of goods and services for the benefit of others. Real simple and straightforward. It is the production of goods and services for the benefit of others. Keep that in mind because as we go towards application come next week, it really has a significant impact. Now, here's why I I thought that that made sense. The better an individual company or country is able at doing this, the better they will be 
um, from an economic perspective. The better you're able to do this, whether you're an individual, a company, or country, the better you're able to do that, the better you will be. That entity, whatever that entity is, the better that entity will be from an economic perspective. Now, what's the problem? I'll tell you the problem. Because remember, we said economics is simply the production of goods and services for the benefit of others. If you're able to do that well, I don't care what entity you are, you're going to be good from an economic perspective. Here's the problem. The problem is that it is um, perversed in the sense that people take what is simple and cloak it in self-interest. People take what is simple and cloak it in self-interest. Greed. Yes, sir, please. Free from selfishness. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I heard an explanation mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Of course it is. That's a slogan, right? As a financial advisor, I can tell you all that's behind that. Um, but we're go- we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna ride over that, and we're gonna come back to that. Okay. Um, so here's here's what I mean by the perverseness of self-interest. All economic theory is based on what? Self-interest. Economic theory is actually based off of self-interest, right? So I think it's important for us to understand that because we are to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, right? We know what God wants us to do, and we're going to go through that, right? But we have to understand how the world operates. Right? You have to understand how the world operates. So if we're looking at economic theory, let's talk about some of the economic theories. One is supply and demand. Supply and demand is a microeconomic theory of how people determine prices. Right? If supply is high and demand is low, what's going to happen to the cost of an item? So, Opposite way around. Supply is high, demand is low, price is going down. Right? If supply is low and demand is high, the price is going to go up. Right? That's an economic theory. Right? Right? The other economic is the classical economic theory put out by Adam Smith. Right? And the classical economic theory is just basically moving from the monarchy, right, where it was a top-down approach, right, to allowing private ownership and equity in the free market. Let the market work itself out. That's classical economics. Let the market work its way out. If the market can work its way out, right, and it will, right, with supply and demand, right, if if people don't like the work that you are producing, the demand for it is not going to be there, right, I'm going to go to somebody else who has, you know, a product or service that has, you know, that I, I want. Right? All right, so classical economic theory says that 
you know, a free market works itself out. A free market works itself out, right? Then came the Keynesian theory, right? Yeah. Keynesian economy came in uh, shortly after the Great Depression, right? Because the Great Depression came in, and what happened with the Great Depression is that now we had to, you know, we had to run on banks. We had all these, you know, scenarios whereby it doesn't, it did the the economy didn't work itself out the way, you know, the free markets are supposed to. So Keynesian says that government needs to intercede. And government needs to intercede to help out the economy. Now, there's two reasons why, you know, the government intercedes. I'll tell you what, why they say the government intercedes, and then I'll talk a little bit about what actually intercedes. So the government intercedes, right? They're saying to prevent collapse. To prevent collapse. Now, the, the scripture I was talking about this morning was, um, I was in Leviticus chapter 25, just talking about the year of Jubilee, and it was just interesting that God had it like every 50 years, kind of, you do a reset. All right. So the government's job is to prevent what we have going from collapsing, think 2008, all right, 2008, right, let me tell you a little bit about what happened in 2008 very quickly, deregulation happened in the late 1990s and 2000s, what's deregulation, banks were not allowed to invest into things that were not safe, right, banks and broker dealers came together, when banks and broker dealers came together, what that did was it allowed banks to, you know, to bring all this extra money to broker-dealers. And so banks who typically will loan you, you know, money for a house, I got to make sure that you can pay the house. I don't have to care anymore because I could sell your, to a broker, and the broker packages it up and sells it to somebody else. So I didn't care whether or not you could do it. Now, that was a bad deal by the bank's perspective, right, and the broker-dealer. And what ended up happening is that, just a long story short, is that they messed up. They messed up, right? And when they messed up, guess what the government did? To prevent the collapse, they bailed them out, right? Because they, they, they always say they don't want government into it, right? But the government did go into it, right? And they bailed them out. So here's what I'm saying. On one end of it, it's to prevent the system from collapsing. But on the other end is also to preserve the system for those who said that you're right for those who have the wealth this is look, look, look brothers and sisters we're talking about this on Sunday morning because again we are to be wise as serpent harmless as doves right we need to understand how the system works so they basically did this. They bailed them out, and they were able to preserve the wealth. And here's how I liken it to. This is what I mean by preserving wealth. Let's say you're playing the game of Monopoly. And you having your game. Elder Gray is having his game. He got Boardwalk Park Place, right? He got Pennsylvania. He got the railroads, right? He's doing well. He is kicking butt. Right? Right? Does he want the game to end? Yeah. 
No, you don't want the game to end when you're kicking. No, right? You know, when we're little kids, you know, you're the big brother. I was the big brother, right? It's like, yo, hey, hey, guys, I know, you know, things are bad, but, you know, I'll be the banker and I'll give all y'all $2,000 so y'all can stay in the game. I want you to stay in the game, don't I? After, well, well, I want them to stay in the game so they could keep landing on my property. That's why I want them to stay in the game. If they could keep landing on my property, I keep making what? Money. And guess what? If I'm making the money, I'm the one deciding who's going to be the banker. I'm deciding who's going to get in the office. And if I can decide who gets into office, right, I can influence them and what they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you ever wonder why the bankruptcy laws is such that corporations, to protect their assets, can declare bankruptcy over and over and over and over again? If you're student loans and you can't, you're out of whack and you can't pay them, can you do that? Right? Even with your house. This, you can't protect those assets. With the, so the tax laws are designed, right, for those with the dollars. That is why you can have, um, you know, a high net worth and a high income and only pay less than 20%, pay less than what your secretary has to pay, right? Because your secretary is on a gradual income tax bracket basis, which means as the more money she makes, right, the more money she pays. However, someone who's actually just collecting dividends or capital gains, there are caps on that, right? And so you can transition your income, right, where you're just getting it from your assets, and therefore you don't have to pay that level. So understanding the system is important for us to be able to take advantage of the system. Amen? So the Keynesian theory allows government to intercede. Um, I wanted you to understand the purpose behind it, um, but I also want you to understand who is actually behind it. So what is the Central Bank of the United States? The Federal Reserves which is run by whom? I always thought it was the United States government. It's not. It is not run by the U.S. government. It is completely independent of the U.S. government. The Federal Reserve is a collection of banks that got together, right, in order to be able to um, uh, manipulate the system based on things that are best for them. So here's, here's how the Federal Reserve System works. You have all these banks, right? And uh, their idea is to control the money supply. You ever heard someone say, we want the economy to grow? Total control of money, yes sir. What does it mean, I want the economy to grow? 
We want people to spend. That's good. Anybody else? What does it mean, the economy to grow? More goods and services being produced. Right? Now, the question is, what do we need to do for more people to spend and for more goods and services to produce? We need money. We need money. Right? So if we can increase the money supply, right, there's going to be more activity by increasing the money supply. Right? So one of the things that we would do, uh, well, the Federal Reserve will do, is there's three ways that they can increase the money supply. Number one, this is the one you, you probably most are familiar with, is they can lower the discount rate that they give to banks. They can lower the discount rate that they give to banks. Right? They can also lower the reserve requirement that banks have. Right? Or they can issue um, uh, or, or buy back bonds. Right? If they buy back bonds, they push more cash into the system. Right? That's increasing the money supply. And if you do the, the, the opposite of that, it contracts the supply. Right? If you raise the interest rates, right, people are going to spend less because they don't want to borrow. Right? If you raise the, the, the reserve requirement, there's less money. The banks are not incented to lend. Right? So that's a way that they are able to manipulate the money supply right, so that there can either be more money in the economy or less. Now, if you remember back in 2000, up leading to 2007, what happened to the discount rate? It went, it went down to zero. There, it was almost like there was no cost for borrowing, right? So what happened? There was a lot of money supply, right? You know, the supply was there for the demand. Go ahead, sis. So, so ooh, he just like threw a, threw a brick, a grenade in there. What is our money backed by? So leading up to 1971, the dollar was backed by gold. President Nixon nixed that. Okay, so it's no longer backed by gold. It's now fiat money, which is backed by the United States government. All right, which is why we're going to get into the principles, the biblical principles apply to individuals, companies, and countries. All right, you cannot continue to borrow money more than what you have. All right, and because we're no longer backed by gold, that puts us in a certain position. So. Because you brought that up, let me just take a dial back for a second. What is money? What is money? Currency. It's currency, right? It's a, basically, it's a medium of exchange. That's all it is. It's a medium of exchange, right? Which means that if you have, you know, Sister Sheila is just great at creating awesome looking suits. You know, I'm a bad, I'm a bad man with Sister Sheila who's been with some suits, right? Right? Brother Walt's great at building houses, right? Sister Sheila can, in a month's time, you know, put together, you know, 30 suits. In a month's time, Brother Walt can build a house, right? And so you guys trade that, right? That's all, that's all money is. It's a medium of exchange. By the way, what's the, what's the new medium of exchange? Crypto, right? Bitcoins, right? Right? But just keep in mind right, that that's all that it is. If you're going to use it as an investment, which is not the original purpose of it, right, you've you got to do your homework. 
all right? And that's where a lot of people lose their shirt. You have to do your homework. The intent of crypto is currency, okay? So going back to medium of exchange, right? The more we understand that, okay, because Wall can build a house in 30 days and Sister Sheila can make 30 suits in 30 days, we have a reasoning behind what we're doing. Why? Because economics is the production of goods and services for the benefit of others, right? Brother Walt is doing what he's doing for the benefit of Sister Sheila. Sister Sheila's doing what she's doing for the benefit of Brother Walt. And that's proper economy, right? Now, we can say for 30 suits, it's worth one gold bullion. For one house, it's worth one gold bullion. And that makes sense. And then the free market can work properly. Y'all with me? So now the free market works properly because we are, we're, we're exchanging what each other can do in the same time period. Y'all with me? Right? Now, now, here's what, where perverseness comes into play. They had coins back in the day, right? Now I'm a little bit perverse. I, 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 want, I want more. So what I do is I take that gold coin and I pound it. I pound it down. I carve out the, the ends of it. And if I do that enough times, I can make another coin. What did I just do? I increased the money supply for me. You with me? I increased the money supply for me. Right? And that, in and of itself, if you do that, you go into jail, right? Right. <laughs> if you do that, you go into jail. But, you know, that is what the government does. In a sense, they're just making, when they issued all this money during COVID, right, it was to stimulate the economy, right? Now, you always heard back in the day they had to balance the budget, balance the budget. You're not hearing that a lot. Pay attention, brothers and sisters. They're, these things all have implications for where we are going, for what is going to happen, for how you should invest your money, for what you should do from a production perspective. It all counts, right? So we want to understand it. And if you don't understand, you want someone to help you to make sure that that operates properly. So, so now we understand it's not backed by gold. It's simply backed by what the U.S. government said. So then, therefore, you have to understand where we are in that cycle. The U.S. government became strong because it was one of the only countries that had all of its dollars backed by gold. It's the Dutchess, it started with the Dutch in the Netherlands. They were the richest country 500 years ago. They were the strongest. Then it went to the, to, to the British. Then they were the strongest until World War I came along, right? And war costs money. And they got to print money for war. And they got off the gold system. And the U.S. still was on it. So that's how the U.S. became strong, right, from a monetary perspective. Because guess what? If, I, if, if the U.S. dollar is strong, then everybody wants to have their money with whom? U.S. dollars. So that's why other countries now pull their money in here. So what does that do to our money supply? It increases the money supply. That's why the U.S. does as well as it does up till now, right? 
right? So, so we have to, we have to, you know, understand where we are in that economic cycle. Okay, brother Tim is saying something here, real quick. Go ahead, brother Tim. Money is work, nothing new. <laughs> true, absolutely true, right? Um, and then just going back to uh, Brother Walton, Sister Sheila's example, is the work that they did, that's what produced, you know, the value that was able to be exchanged. Amen? So, so now as we understand these various economic theories, right, what they were built for, what the central banks do, right, in order to help us um, prevent the economy from collapse or, if you want to see another way, preserve the wealth of the nation, if you will, right, um, we again need to figure out then how does this tap, tap into, you know, biblical principles, right? And so, um, from a biblical perspective, we know that there has always been folks who were wealthy. We, we, there's always been, and there's always been the opposite. Now it happens oftentimes through inheritance, that's where the monarchy piece came in and people revolt because, you know, people who have wealth always want to do what? Keep it. Not just for themselves, but from generation to generation, right? And we have to find out how to, how to make that work. So that's why we went from the monarchy system to the classical economic system of free markets, right? Um, but now, the, 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 the real question is, what do you as a believer do with that information, right? So as, as believers, right, we know that at the end of the day, right, only what we do for God will last. Only what we do for Christ will last, right? Um, so let's talk a little bit about what God's purpose is for us. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, all right? We need to understand Three things. There are three principles that I'm going to go through with you from a biblical perspective. First, the principle of purpose. Principle of purpose basically says that um, we are the created, not the creator. It's the creator who has the proper intent for the created. Y'all with me? All right. Um, a principle of service principle of service is that he who's greatest among you shall be what? Your servant. He who's greatest among you shall be your servant. And the principle of stewardship. Stewardship means that we are not owners, but we are managers. And management is an active word, which means you have to do something. Right? But at the same time, you have to understand, as a manager, it's not yours. The resources are not yours. Right? If we can think through these things from God's eyes, right, we start making decisions, right, that fit into the economy in such a way that you will be at your best economic position to accomplish God's will for your life. And that's the goal. It's to be free to do God's will 
That's the goal. Amen? So, first of all, the principle of purpose. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Someone read that for us. That's all good. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Amen. So the most, well, I can't say the most richest. The richest, <laughs> my wife's like, thank you. <laughs> the richest man in all of the world, the goat of wealth said, this is the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. I mean, we can get so caught up in the news and all that stuff to the point where, you know, you're lost. No, no, I'm going to simplify it for you. Yes, sir. Everybody knows. Tell them, tell them. Solomon. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Right. So 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 we don't want to get so caught up. Right. That we that we miss it. Right. Solomon is saying, fear God and keep his commandments. We have and what that fear is a reverence. Right. If you if your manager says to you, hey, I need you here by 830 tomorrow to work on this deal, what have you, what are you going to do? You're going to be there at 8.30 because you have a certain reverence for that person knowing that they have the ability to do something for you or not. It's that kind of, you fear God not as, you know, someone who's going to whack you, but you have a reverence for God that I want to do things his way. Amen? So Solomon is saying, fear God and keep his commandments. Amen? So the question is, what are his commandments? Come on now. If, I mean, if, if you love somebody, if you're you know, close to somebody, you're going to understand some of the things that they consider non-negotiable. Amen? And that's what a commandment is. It's non-negotiable. This is what God is telling you to do. Amen? So what is the greatest commandment? Louder. Come on. I know there's a Bible reading, church. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. And it's funny, the more I read about that, that all thine heart is important. Psalms 119, verse 1 and 2. All thy heart. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. And 14, check it out. It's about all your heart, right? We cannot serve God and what? Money. You can't do it. You're going to love one and hate the other or love one and hate. You can't do both. I don't care how hard you try. You got to, the, the Proverbs talked about, you know, guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life. You got to guard your heart on that because it's so easy. 
Somebody says you can do this on your taxes, and it's going to save you a lot of money. All right? Now, in the back of your mind, at first you're like, oh, right? But then, then something is telling you, like, I don't know if that's right. Now, now what you could do is say, I'm going to take it to somebody, right? The abundance of the counselors, your shorty. I'm going to take it to some other folks to verify, right? You can do that, right? Because something is telling you, perhaps it's the Holy Spirit, that, that this ain't quite right. And you know that if you mess up with your taxes and you're part of our community, you're going to be one of the first ones to go to jail. I'm just telling you the honest truth. I'm just telling you the honest truth. All right? You want to make sure that what you're doing, right, makes sense. Now, if you're following God, right, you're going to say, well, let me just double check it. Because he might be right. And you know, I'll check with a CPA here. You know, check with does that make sense? Like, nah, bro. You don't want to do that. And then you don't do it. But if you don't check it out, because you don't want to check it out, I'd rather have blinders and pretend I didn't know. Right? But what does the law say about that? Ignorance of the law is... Right? So, so, so sometimes the, the Spirit of God is there to help you Stay on target with what he's telling you to do. And as you watch this, the more you love God with all your heart and you're spending time. Look, you can't tell me you love someone and you're not spending any time with them. By the feel, by the look, who else? Study the real. By comparing. You know how the banks teach you? By making you work with the real stuff on a regular basis. They, they purposely have you doing the real stuff. So much so, you're working with the real stuff so much that when you feel something counterfeit, you detect it. So when you love God with all your heart and you're spending that time with him, right, and something comes that's outside of God, you detect it. You have that discernment. The Spirit of God lets you know that something about that just ain't right. I know the Bible says in abundance of counsel, there's surety. So you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and check it out. And you stay out of trouble. Right? Proverbs 11.4 says that the wrath doesn't, you know, uh, the wrath is not going to help a wealthy person. God's wrath won't help a wealthy person. In the financial industry, we say it this way, that... When the, you know, when the tide goes out, that's when you see who's swimming naked, right? <laughs> when the tide goes out, that's when you see who's swimming naked, right? That, that is, when the tough times come, right, those people who have been on the edge on doing things not quite right, right, and they might seem like they're up there, hello, Bernie Madoff, but when the stuff gets rough, then all of a sudden you see that there is a problem, Right? But watch this, but there's surety, right, when we stay with the Lord and do it his way. And now it doesn't matter whether, you know, the tide comes or doesn't come, you still got your clothes on. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so that's what we're, we're called. We're called to love the Lord thy God with all our hearts, mind, and soul. Why is this important as we're talking about purpose, service, and stewardship? It's important because we're setting up a foundation for financial success, for whatever God's called you to do. 
I'm not saying to you that I'm setting you a foundation for success to be Bill Gates. I don't know that I want, I don't, I don't know that I want to be Bill Gates. I don't know that I want to be whoever. I want to be Carlos Ward Jr., right, who's doing what God's called me to do for his honor and for his glory. So if you have your foundation, then regardless of what the tide comes, what's great is that if you're within God's purpose for your life, then when the winds come, you have safety. You have security. Why? Because I am doing what he called me to do. It can get difficult. It can get hard, right? But I can have the peace, right? This is the confidence that we have, that if we ask anything in accordance to what? His will. He hears us. And as long as we know that he hears us, we know that we have what we ask of him. Come on, somebody. If we're doing what God called us to do, we don't have to worry. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and who are called according to what? His purpose, right? When we're in line with his purpose, there's peace. Y'all ain't praying with me. I say when you're in line with his purpose, there is peace, right? So we can do what God called us to do, right, and be at peace even though there's struggle, and I know, God knows, we, we, I, we've gone through struggles. We've gone through struggles. I mean, as a financial advisor coming out of college, and uh, this is 1996, but I remember the blizzard of 96 and not having heat. And I have a wife with a one-year-old son, and she was pregnant. With that young man back there. <laughs> All right? And we had no heat. The place was blocked. And I felt bad as a man. I'll be honest with y'all because I honestly believe that God had called me to leave my job to start a business. And I honestly believe when my wife fell asleep behind the wheel and crashed our brand new car. <laughs> but she was okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I knew that God had told me to do that. 94, I left my job. In 95, my wife left hers. In 96, we found ourselves in that blizzard. And it was a blizzard for life, if you will, for us. Right? And, uh, but I felt like God had left me. I know he told me to do these things. Like, Lord, where are you? You told me to bring my wife home. You told me to start this business. And where are you? I felt horrible as a man having a pregnant wife with a child and not being able to provide the basics such as shelter. We had also had, you know, credit card companies calling us. We were using credit cards to purchase food. I'm a financial advisor. And, I'm, and I know that this is not something to do. In fact, she hid that from me. That we were, my point is this. Through all of that, credit was never touched. Amen. Through all of that, we were able to put, you know, have all our children be birthed without having a single dime in medical bills. Through all of that, we ate fine. <laughs> through, through all of that, God saw us too because he told me to do it. 
Now, I didn't feel like he told me to do it in 96, but he did tell me to do that. And as we continue to trust him, he continued to bless to help us do what he called me to do, which is what? I want to be able to help others in our community understand that it is biblical economics that we want to go after. Do things God's way so that you can be free, so that you can be free to do his will. Amen? Amen. So, that's, that, so now what we want to do is I want you to think through this. So we said purpose, and we said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul. What's the second commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. What's that mean to you? Somebody, what's that mean to you? Love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, sir. Treat them as well as you want to be treated. I like that. So if you're treating them as well as you want to be treated, right, and you have an uh, opportunity to, um, I don't know, let's say, um, you know, you're doing a, a contract with them. You're going to do their roof, right? You want to give them the kind of price, right? You want to give them the kind of price that you would expect to have received, right? Right? You want to do things in the right way, and vice versa, right? And I mean, this is the, the, the other thing is sometimes consumers, right, want to get over on the vendor, right? It's like you know that brother that hammered on your house, right, and put on this brand new roof, right, and y'all agreed to whatever that price was, and now you, you see some, you know, some little shingle, and you want to cut that price down by 25% or, you know what I mean? You, that's not right either. Amen? Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? But loving that neighbor under the principle of service will really take us to another level. It really will. Because when we think about what does the Bible say? That he who is greatest among you, let him be servant of all. It's not easy sometimes. Because sometimes when you're serving others, they may not appreciate it. They may not appreciate it. Have you ever been there? You've, you've served, and, and that person doesn't really appreciate the work that you did. And then, and then, you know, their family member asking you to help out too. And then, some, you know, and then somebody else. And then somebody else. And then everybody expects a certain amount, Right? And sometimes you feel like, how am I going to do all this? But if you have that spirit, right, of loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul, and loving your neighbor as yourself, and understanding this, that our mentor, that our Savior, that our Father, Pay the ultimate sacrifice for us. That's what gives you that motivation. That's what gives you that motivation is understanding what Christ did for us. Then you can take that extra step. And watch this. 
if you are focusing on what he called you to do. And this is important. This is important. Because he did not call you to do everything. You're not talented to do everything. Nor do you have the time to do everything. I'll be honest with you. I would like to sing. It's just not me. It's just not me. I'm just being honest, right? I'd love to sing. Tried it. I'm good. I'm good. I'm brother good. Right? not my talent. It's not my talent. So this is important. This is important. I learned this in the military, right? If I'm assigned that hill, I'm assigned that hill to protect our garrison. And you're assigned that hill to protect our garrison. And the guy on that garrison say, yo, come on over to this hill. Are you going to leave that hill? No. No. You're assigned that garrison. You protect that garrison. You do what you're supposed to do, and God will take care of you. Everybody got their, everybody has their vantage point. Everybody has that place that God's called them to do. Don't let anybody make you feel bad because you're not doing what they're doing. That's what God called them to do. You do what God's called you to do. Y'all ain't praying with me. You do what God's called you to do. If you do that, you will have success. You will have financial success. You would have spiritual success, more importantly, right? And you'll be able to do what God's called you to do with freedom. And watch this. Here's the other thing. We're not supposed to be all stressed out. Y'all pray for me. We are not supposed to be all stressed out. Watch this. When a baby is born, that mother has to do so much work to take care of that baby. Night, day. She's working hard. I'll be honest. You could throw a shoe at me. I'll still be sleeping. <laughs> I'll still be sleeping. But the mother is going to hear that baby's cry. And watch this. And she's going to take care of that baby with love, with joy, with peace. Watch this. She'll be working that. Does she feel like she's working? Yeah. No. That's what she was called to do. Y'all ain't praying with me. That's what she was called to do. And because she was called to do that, she's going to do that with peace, with love, with joy, and she's going to have fun doing that. Amen? Amen? So we want to do what we were purposed to do. Right? We don't want to get off on the northeast extension on the wrong exit because it'll take us forever to get back on the right exit. And then there's nothing wrong with exit 34 on the northeast extension. A lot of people live there. It just wasn't your exit. Amen? We want to get off on our exit, right, so that we can do what God called us to do. Amen? So purpose, service, and next week we'll get into stewardship. Amen? Questions? Thoughts? concerns. Amen. Let's look to the Lord. Father, we thank you for who you are, Lord God. Lord, you're so good. You're so mighty. Lord, we're grateful for this opportunity to just come to you, seek you, Lord God, to understand, Father God, what we need to do to be financially free, Lord God, to accomplish your will for our lives. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.